Okay, Jimmy Stein and I are about to answer the question all of you were thinking after this weekend. What the heck was that? Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Uh, confused. Confused, but but sort of happy after uh, reviewing the AP poll. Yeah, let's just get right into this. And look, we'll do this the same way I always talk about that we're going to visit a game, and that's with the managerial technique of the sandwich. We're going to do good, then bad, then good. It may have to be good with some bad sauce, then the bad meat. And the other underside of bread, but what the heck are you eating over there? Here's the thing: I want. I'm just going to pose this question to you. Give me three things that were good from this game for you. This Alabama Texas uh, win one by one point for Alabama. Give me the three things you think were good. Uh, Poise of the team with no timeouts and a minute and a minute and twenty seconds left. No timeouts have to drive the field in in a tough environment. Uh, to some extent, it was almost a replication of what happened uh, at, at Auburn last season. I thought the poise of the offense, particularly Bryce, of course, uh, that was magnificent. To drive the field to get the winning points with no timeouts in that environment, that's good. Number two, Will Reichard, uh, Will Reichard uh, etching himself a place in history. He, he hadn't really had the last second, you know, win or lose the game kick. Now we can add that to the resume. I think he's building a resume and a case uh, to where he's universally considered the best kicker we've ever had in school history. Thought he really added to that resume yesterday. And third, uh, here's what's what's mostly good about is Nick can really crack the whip now and he can really work on improving the team even though there wasn't a loss. In other words, maybe we're getting that Texas A&M bounce that we got a year ago where the team played immediately much better after the A&M loss last year. Maybe you get that bounce out of this game even without suffering a loss. So those are my three. Uh, Three pretty good ones. Um, Reichert is the obvious answer to to both. Uh, He getting – his getting that – winning field goal. Um, and it wasn't a chip shot. I mean, it wasn't a, just a, you know, extra long, extra point. I mean, it, it, I mean, there were some, dude, there, there was some pressure behind this mother. I mean, it, oh, yeah. we've seen a lot of Alabama kickers miss easier kicks than this, oh, um, miss extra points than this. Um, yeah. and not only that, it was hot as, I mean, get out. It was, you can see if you're watching us on YouTube, you can clearly see, um, that I have some redness and some color, but I'm always kind of tan. Jimmy's, I can't tell the difference between Jimmy's face and Jimmy's shirt. Miserably, terribly hot. Thanks a ton, Fox. Um, <laughs> but Reichert is the, the obvious answer. And man, it, it, that that's such a nice thing to have. It's such a nice weapon to have. And I'm glad we finally have one, right? Um, you said poise of the team. I'm going to go a little bit more specific and say the poise of um, Bryce Young. Bryce, Bryce Young just doing Bryce Young things. 
And look, he, he did not have his best game again. He didn't have his best game in game one, he, he, but he didn't have his best game again. Um, but he did have another excellent drive. And when the game's on the line, there's not a better quarterback in college football right now than Bryce Young. There, there just isn't. Frankly, if you go back to even the game he lost against Texas A&M, and I say he lost, the team lost it. But if you go back to the Texas A&M loss last year, he threw a couple of passes on the last drive where we could have sealed the win or at least made it – I don't know about sealed the win. We could have driven to kick the the, the game winner. That's what it was. And they, they were either dropped or, you know, the, the receiver didn't do what they were supposed to do. I, I hadn't watched that game in about a year, so forgive me. But I remember pretty vividly, like, Bryce was doing what he was supposed to do. Um, right. So th- those are two. The third, I, I'm going to be honest, you may have had a hard time coming up with three. I, I don't know if my meal after the game was good. Um, they, they sold beer, and I needed a lot of it um, at the stadium. I, the, I'll, I'll say this. The other good thing, Alabama fans showed up. I don't know if you noticed, but I saw Alabama folks everywhere. That place was slammed, uh, totally full of people. And I'll also say the atmosphere was good. Oh, yeah. The atmosphere was really good. Um, the – Will uh, Anderson went out of his way to say that's the most he, – he didn't use this term, but the feistiest atmosphere that he had been involved with since being at Alabama. Now, he's been in SEC title games. He's – you know, Jordan Hare last year was a championship game. Florida. Uh, you know, he's been some places. So, um, to say that that was the, uh, the, the most ferocious atmosphere he's been in, I thought was certainly a testament. And then that goes back to Bryce making it happen in that atmosphere – makes it all the more better but boy and i told you we're going to maybe put some bad sauce on the underside of this opening good bun um there's a lot more bad than there was good and you know the ap poll came out today and the coaches poll we're still number one in the coaches poll we should not be we just shouldn't be if you if you're the old school and you're like you don't move down if you don't lose that's a that's a very old school way of thinking that is just antiquated. That's not how we should think anymore. With the preseason poll is based on what we think will happen. We have two weeks now. And not only did we almost get beat by an unranked team, who, by the way, to their credit, is ranked now. Not only did we lo- almost lose to them with a backup limping quarterback, but the team we eviscerated week one that you and I thought was, I mean, they're not bad. They're not good. They're not bad. They were beaten 35-7 to by Weber State at Utah State. So that's also a bad thing for us. So personally, um, now now here's the the good news. A little bit of good news on there, too. A little good news pickle is that, um, boy, it's just terrible. That was just terrible. I'm really doing poorly with this. I just got home. I find pickles are good news all the time, almost all the time. That is is true. Um, Anywho, is that there's Georgia who – who, I mean, they, they won 33, nothing. They, it could have been worse. I think they even had a running clock towards the end of the game or whatever. Um, but they, and Ohio State looks pretty good still. After that, I mean, what's left? Michigan? I mean, if you wanted to, Barrett Salee ranks Alabama number four right now from CBS Sports in his poll. I can buy that. I'm fine with that. Perfectly okay with that because it'll all play out that way. But uh, I, I could not in good conscience say I would vote Alabama number one. You want to you want to say, hey, give them the benefit of the doubt. They were on the road, want a hostile environment, whatever, um, and, uh, and and give them the benefit of the doubt for number two, go for it. You want to say they really could, can't drop them below number three, go for it. 
personally, I'd put them probably four, but maybe three. And, um, and then just let the let the rough end drag and see what takes care of itself. But Jimmy, we're going to get to some more of the bad news here right after I tell everybody about Underdog, who is sponsoring this particular podcast. Underdog, so much fun. I mean, what what a great fun website. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Uh, it, it's just so easy to get started, and it's so much fun to watch. Um, it's really easy to play. Everything about it is easy. You can win cold, hard cash every single game. Uh, Underdog has an investment backing from Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter. Kevin Durant was at that Bama game, by the way. Uh, They've always been focused on building superior products for a fun user experience. The customer support team, they're second to none. I've already had to reach out to them. They were awesome. Uh, They're the best in the business. Hosts should implement. uh, I mean, players should talk about their own experience with other players you can get them to because I'm telling you, it's so easy and so much fun to do that you'll want to tell other people about this. Um, you can use promo code locked on underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So you put in a hundred dollars, you get a hundred dollars free. That's at underdogfantasy.com or find the underdog fantasy app in the app store and go to underdogfantasy.com promo code locked on, get in on the college football, pick them action Today. Okay. Jimmy, let's go back to I thought it was uh cool. I thought it was cool though on the live read when you said hosts should implement something because that's the equivalent that you did the equivalent there of, of doing the uh reading a form and, and as you're reading it, you say uh state your name here. That not only that, Joe Biden did that recently. What was it where he said uh you know continue after whatever that's what i just did i was i was trying to read ahead and i screwed up but underdog fantasy doesn't screw up so go to underdog fantasy pause was on this teleprompter it is on his teleprompter speech and it says pause oh pause for effect pause for applause (laughs) now and here's the other thing is that uh it says in the live read like in the copy it says be yourself there is nothing more myself than than reading something i shouldn't read there's nothing more me so go to Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code Locked On. Anywho, it should say it should say be someone else. <laughs> they probably would prefer that. Um, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. Um, I think we start with I think we start with Bill O'Brien, and I, I've got a lot of questions, and I'm not sure anybody's got answers. Um, first of all, why did we seemingly abandon the running game? I, I don't understand. We had like five or six straight three and outs. Um, we just abandoned the running game, it felt like to me, after we have already had an 81-yard run. Um, right. th- why? God bless Roydell Williams. I'm so thankful you're on our team. Why Roydell Williams if we're going to go for it on fourth and inches in that situation yeah. in the fourth? Why? Why not Jason McClellan has already broken one? He's bigger, and he he's broken one already. Right. I don't know that he's bigger. I think I think they've just, I think to this point they may change, but I, I think Roy Dell is the quote designated short yardage back. I mean that's kind of how they used him in the first game. Uh, I just think like hey, when it's fourth and one or third and one or you're on the goal line, they have uh, decided to go with Roy Dell over Jason Gibbs because he packs more punch. But the thing is, I mean, he, he is a little stronger, but Jason Jameer are more shifty and they might make someone miss. It's not like Roy Dell's 235 pounds and it's just going to crush people like B-Rob. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's he's just 
packs more punch than our first two guys doesn't make him a power back necessarily. So we really don't have an ideal short yardage guy, really. But it, it just appears to me that Roy Dell is just like the short yardage back. And, hey, it's not always going to work, obviously. It, not only is it not always going to work, again, I, maybe Roy Dell is a little bigger. I, I just know that yeah, in my barely. head – yeah, in my head, Jace is the bigger back. I don't know why I feel that way. Maybe it's just the numbers they wear. I don't know. Hey, what it, is. Like, I, it might be eight pounds. It might be eight pounds right. or no more than 10. You know, it, it's not like he's significant. And I think it's style of run, too. But this way, Jace is so good outside the tackles, his 81-yard touchdown run outside the tackle. Roy Dell, a little bit better player between the tackles. I guess that's where it comes from. But I, I do think short yardage is something the offense needs to address. More so, I, I don't like the quarterback sneak situation because Bryce is just too small. I mean, oh. I, he's just too small on the on the on the on the quarterback sneak. That needs to be a handoff. I mean, I hate giving up that yardage because when the quarterback the, the reason a quarterback sneak is so good is because the ball itself never really leaves the line of scrimmage. When you turn around even turning around, taking a snap under center, turn around to hand the ball to a back you're giving up ground, right? I mean, the back's taking the ball at least two yards behind the line of scrimmage when that happens. So now you got to, you know, that that's two yards to potentially be running through contact. So I I love the quarterback sneak call on, on fourth and one or less, but the quarterback has to be able to move the pile to an extent. And Bryce is just, that's just asking, that's asking Bryce to pick up an elephant. I mean, that, that that's just not going to happen. We, we need to go to Roy Dell or whoever the heck it is they decide to short yards back on, on fourth and one. Uh, the sneak's just not going to work if Bryce has to move piles of large humans. It's just not going to work. Well, and that's a lot of people around me that were Alabama fans and the friends I went with were like, I hate lining up in the pistol or the shotgun at, on fourth and inches or fourth and whatever near the goal line. And I said, with Bryce, you have to. You can't do that. You, it's not going to work. And we weren't really getting much of a push. Where if we had the uh, a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, it wouldn't be prudent with him. But we don't. So it's especially not prudent. And I think the advantage you have with Bryce Young is, hey, he could he could break free and get outside uh, the the tackles himself, or he could pass it so quick. He's really good at the quick passes. They have to watch that if he's in the shotgun. So I'm fine with the pistol or shotgun. And I haven't watched the replay yet because I've been in transit, but it, it, I'm fine with that in that situation. But you know what? It what dawned on me the moment when I saw Roy Dell out there. I said, "Oh no!" I, I said, "We're going to hand it to him." But you know what I thought about? How awesome would it be to have Josh Jacobs back there running the Wildcat? That's teach one of these guys to run the wildcat. But if we're going to do this, that then it, yes, you're still backed up a little bit, but you don't, you get the direct snap and then you get some momentum into that pile. Uh, and I think that could have been a much more positive thing. Josh Jacobs didn't get stopped in those moments, you know, right. Do you I'm think sure about I mean, I love Gibbs and we saw Jace, you know, obviously Jace had the, the, the long run, which was great, but uh, I'll be honest. I mean, based on what I've seen so far, uh, I'm not sure. I don't think we have a Josh Jacobs, frankly. We, I mean, Jimmy, think about this. Um, last year at Auburn, we needed a fourth and one or fourth and inches. We handed off to Trey Sanders. He gets stopped. Uh, 2013, we needed a fourth down in inches. We handed off TJ Yeldon. He gets stopped. This year, we needed a fourth and in inches. We handed off to Roy Williams. He gets stopped. 
But you know, when we had a wildcat, when we did wildcat with Mark Ingram in those scenarios, or we did a wildcat with Josh Jacobs in those scenarios, we always got it. Oh, now, I maybe mean, somebody could do that. Out. I prefer to do that based on what we've seen so far from the short yardage. I'm just right. saying, I don't think, I don't think, I mean, Gibbs to me is still our best running back. I know uh, he hasn't really proven that from in, in the in the rush game. You know, in the with actual runs, he hasn't proven that yet. But but honestly, I don't think even at his best, Gibbs is as good as a lot of traditional Alabama backs like Josh Jacobs, who, you know, he was a first-round pick, and Gibbs ain't going to go in the first round. He's just not uh, big enough, really. I mean, Gibbs is going to be viewed, I think, by the NFL as a third-down back, uh, and those guys can have success in playing the NFL for years, but they don't get drafted in the first round. Um, And then that spills over into the offensive line, um, I think it's fair to say now the offensive line is a problem. We we sort of glossed over it against Utah State, um, but I don't think there's any doubt now that the offensive line is a problem. And I don't know that it's a problem by Alabama standards anymore. That's one thing that we that everybody had been saying that the offensive line is bad by by Alabama standards. That's I know I've been saying that, and I think I'm just wrong. I just don't think it's a very good offensive line. They're not. They don't appear to have great communication. Um, they this Texas defensive line is good, not great. And we just didn't do a lot with them. Now, maybe some of that was the play calling. Again, I go back to Bill O'Brien. I mean, we could do 10 podcasts on what the heck is Bill O'Brien doing in some of these scenarios. But at the same time, when he did call some good plays, when we did have some good moments, the receivers dropped the ball. So, I mean, we, we had a lot of blame to go around for how this game looked. And I, I want to stop right here because another thing I want to get into is the officiating, and uh, we'll do that right after I tell everybody about LinkedIn. Uh, you know that we love LinkedIn here at Locked On Bama and all the Locked On Networks. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier for you and for easier for you to find the people you need to talk to and do that faster. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your, your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to and it helps you do that faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may and I'm sure will apply. Um, I also want to give a shout out to uh, Jonathan Davis, um, who is host of Locked On Longhorns. We did a crossover episode right before, and you know I made the bold prediction 48-14. He said Texas is going to win 41-38. Um, most everybody after they read that uh, and, and saw that he said that, were like, what is he smoking? Did he fall and hit his head? Nope, he was. he said he had some good points. He talked about, Bryce Young having some struggles on the road, and he does until you need him in the fourth quarter, and then he puts it together pretty good. But uh, he, I thought he did a really good job, and I appreciate him having him on. And to the Longhorn fans who are listening to this that called me crazy for calling it a, saying it'll be a blowout, I, I was wrong. I have no problem. I will always admit when I'm wrong, I was wrong. It was not a blowout, obviously. And um, so that's that. Now, when it comes to officiating, that has been the topic du jour on the Twitterverse. Uh, Danny Cannell has helped fuel the fire, showing a couple of still shots of an Alabama hold on Bryce's uh, ma- magical run. Uh, I haven't Latham. seen it. Are you talking about Latham? 
I, I haven't seen what the canal. I just saw the still shot. I didn't see if it was Latham or not. Again, I, um, I, I think Latham it was Latham. Have, I thought live Latham might have held on the edge there, but but I didn't think it was like blatant. It wasn't like a takedown. But no, it was not a takedown. Yes, and he did have his arm, his hands under the shoulder pads. But he had so did the they had Texas had their hands under one of our shoulder pads on BJ on uh, Bijan Robinson's not Bijan not Bijan uh, <laughs> Bijan Robinson's touchdown run. And the roughing the passer that they called on us where Quinn Ewers is hurt. Unfortunately, I don't want him hurt. That's not roughing the passer. That's a great hit. And that's a terrible call. And the other thing is Alabama had 15 penalties. And I'm not going to bitch about any of them. I'm not. I'm not going to complain about any of them. Because a lot of them were self-inflicted. And a lot of them I could see from uh, where I was sitting in Section 109 or whatever I was in. The the safety, or non-safety. Man, I still don't understand any of it. Um, I, I don't think Bryce was down when he threw it, but I thought when that happened, it was still going to be called a safety, but because it hit a Texas helmet, it's not a safety, whatever. I, they reviewed the heck out of that thing. I think they it shouldn't have been a safety. And here's the other thing. Texas got a field goal out of it because we had to punt from so deep anyway that they may not have gotten a field goal because we would have been able to free kick from, what, the 10 or 20-yard line or whatever you kick from. Right. So they yeah. may not have – they may have gotten – more points by making us punt versus getting the yeah one more point. So I'm saying that that doesn't bother me one way or the other. And there was also plenty of opportunities for both teams to win, regardless of erroneous calls both ways. So I'm not sweating that at all. I just feel it's so comical that the the narrative has been the referees bailed out Alabama. And I'm like, we had 15 penalties. They had four or five. That's insane to say that officiating is why Alabama won the game in a game in which Alabama was penalized the most times in the in, in the entire Nick Saban dynasty is uh, the height of ridiculous is what it is and yeah maybe there was a mishold on uh, on one of Bryce's runs and it would probably take us Luke about three minutes to turn on the tape and find a Texas hold that was uncalled that's just football you could call holding on any play you can call holding, you know, anytime you want or never, but it's always happening out there somewhere. Uh, I, I just think that that's, you know, and, and who's to say, I mean, Bryce, a very elusive, good, good runner. Who's to say that that decided anything? I, I think that's absurd. Alabama made enough errors on its own uh, to lose the game. They didn't, but uh, it was an error-filled performance by the offense. One thing I'll say is last week against Utah State live, I felt like the offensive line didn't play well at all. And then when I watched the tape and could slow things down and see why some individual some individual plays didn't work, uh, I didn't really see the offensive line getting blown up very much. I'm I'm eager to watch the playback of this game, and I get the feeling that once again, uh, I'm likely to see that the offensive line wasn't quite as bad as I as I thought live, just like last week. I, I think what we're going to see, Luke, is a cavalcade of errors from virtually everybody on the offense be it a bad play call, be it a wide receiver who's failing to gain separation or a wide receiver who drops the ball, a running back that fails to press the hole, an offensive line who's failing to open a hole, a tight end who misses a block on this play, and then a guard misses the block on the next play, and then a tackle misses the block on the next play. Uh, I, I think probably everyone on offense contributed to the errors that caused Alabama to be behind the sticks. If there's one big problem on the team, and, yeah, we can point to the offensive line as being a source of it, is – after two games, we have failed to create any sort of a run game. Now, Jace McClellan's 81-yard touchdown run skews the stats. 
and makes Alabama's run game appear better than it was, just like Bryce Young's 100 yards rushing in the first week makes it look like Alabama's running game statistically isn't that bad. But the fact is, it is that bad. Once you take out Jameer Gibbs' first two runs of the game, he had nine yards on seven carries. Our best back can't have nine yards on seven carries and you win the game. So I think the biggest problem uh, on the whole team is just a, a failure to create a run game. Once that happens, if it happens, I think the pass game will improve just as a result of that. But, hey, it's overreaction Sunday. Alabama didn't play well on the road. Uh, while I also predicted a, a pretty big Alabama win, 42-21, uh, I, I also pointed out all week, Alabama didn't play well on the road three or four times last year. Four road games, they played bad three times. Now, now, now they've played bad on the road four out of the last five times. You play bad on the road at Arkansas, you're going to lose. You will lose. There will be no, oh, we were lucky to get out of there with that one. You play that bad against Arkansas, you'll lose because Arkansas is just flat out better than Texas. Uh, so whatever is ailing Alabama on the road needs to be fixed in the next three weeks or or you get your uh, your first loss of 2020, 2022. Yeah, here's the thing. There's good news that Alabama has uh, you know a couple of layups before they get to Arkansas, I was hoping Vanderbilt would be undefeated, but they're not, and they're they're still Vanderbilt. So I think Alabama will take care of La Monroe and Vanderbilt in back-to-back weeks. The bad news is, and, until they get to Arkansas, the bad news is you can't redeem yourself until Arkansas because Alabama could win these next two games, seventy to two, each one of them, and everybody's still going to be like, "Yeah, don't play well on the road, though." So mm-hmm. the, and and that narrative is still going to be lingering around, like Good. you know, a, a bad gas. I mean, it's just, it's, you know what I mean. No, I think um, it's good. I mean, I want. I mean, obviously, we need some time to figure some stuff out, especially offensively and in the run game. But I'm sure Nick Saban, like I said, who who had to be very happy that the team fell to number two, uh, this is a good time just to just to get back to work. Coaches too got to get back to the drawing board and, and and find a run game. You won't you won't win every week if you can't run the ball. As a friend of mine once said about another friend of mine. Yeah, I'll say that when I saw Nick Saban in that press conference, it looked like you could fry an egg on his comb over. He was so hot, like literally and figuratively. I think mm-hmm. he was he was quite upset. And let's also say this: um, the I did you have a pretty good experience with Texas fans? I did. I mean, there, there were a couple of, but I mean, they're always especially prior, especially, pri- especially prior, especially prior to the game. It, it you was had a good a, experience. Yeah, especially prior. Uh, yeah. I mean. In terms of everybody being welcoming, and it was a cool yeah. spectacle. It was a spectacle, and uh, and yeah, yeah, it was good. I, I, I'm I'm looking forward to them uh, being in the SEC. Yeah, me too. Um, I'll say this though: he, he, you want to talk about something that I think should have been done, like there should have been a penalty. Why was there no penalty when our player was hit in the back with a water bottle from the stand? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I could not agree. They should have, at the very least, stopped the game and issued a warning to say. At the very happened, least. At the very least, they should have said, if this happens again, there will be a, the home team will be penalized. You know? Uh, the, but I, I did not understand how that was allowed to happen in this day and age. Now, yeah. years ago, I remember the 90. 90- Three Alabama I mean, Ole Miss game, they were throwing whiskey bottles. Whiskey I remember bottles. That. Yeah. yeah, this is just a plastic bottle, but it could have been a real bottle. And and it's just, it's not. I, I I hope Luke, we don't see in any game 
a repeat of what happened in Tennessee Ole Miss last year. Exactly. But unless unless the officials and the leagues and the conferences get together and issue hardcore rules about it, it will happen again. And that that's just that's my biggest problem with this. I mean, when you just let it go, what's going to happen next? You know, so. Again, that I'm not trying to do, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get anybody in Texas. I'm just saying that that can't happen anymore. That, can't. that can't, that there should be some directive from the SEC saying, okay, this happened and we didn't call it, and that's cool. But if anybody ever does it again, it's either a 15 yard penalty or we're going to find the school 50 grand. We, you got to do something because mm-hmm. that's uh that's brutal. That that is not right and. Like you said, there's no telling what could be in there. It doesn't even have to be a water bottle. What's it going to be next time? You know what I'm saying? And I just don't didn't like that one iota. And it was I could see it coming from that section because I was way up and that was in the goal line. I was sitting there uh, on the I guess on the Texas sideline side. Anywho, that's going to do it for this podcast. We got a whole bunch more to talk about this game, so don't y'all worry about that. We got a whole bunch more to talk about with the SEC. Look, here's the you want you want me to end it with some good news? The fact that uh, Nebraska loses and fires their coach. The fact that A&M loses and everybody's screaming about uh, Jimbo Fisher and his record actually being worse than Kevin Sumlin's after the same period of time. Um, who else? The fact that Notre Dame lost and is now 0-2. All of those things, and then you factor in Auburn didn't play well and, and didn't look. they looked pretty pedestrian. All these other things that factor in, it sort of took the – the heat off of Alabama for a moment, you know, because the, the narrative all day was going to be Alabama really stunk it up and they don't deserve to be number one, which I get and I agree. But when all these other things happen, it sort of took that off the front page to me. Football's hard. Football's, yeah, football's hard. Football's, football's hard. Don't let Nick Saban's success here fool you. It is hard to beat good teams on the road. Uh, only Nick Saban and his crazy level of success has convinced people otherwise, but it is hard to beat good teams on the road. I'll, I'll throw this out. This is something I'll be very, could be very wrong about. So get old takes exposed, get that Twitter account ready for this. But uh, I think Georgia's going to find out Saturday at South Carolina, what I'm talking about. I'm not predicting a South Carolina upset. I'm not predicting it's going to come down to a field goal and, and, and Georgia wins 20 to 19. But I think Georgia's going to be reminded Saturday that uh, it's hard. It's hard to go on the road in this in this league and, and win games. All right, buddy, that's going to do it for today's podcast. We will be back tomorrow with more. Until then, everybody, roll tide, and thanks for listening. Roll tide.